0: You know, many people wonder, how can you be a sinner and still love and serve God? Well, today we're going to talk about the topic of for sinners by sinners. And today we're not going to be doing a lot of preaching, but more of a teaching about exactly what it means to be a sinner, which we're all sinners, but we're still loving God and still serving people. So
1: check this out. Now open up your hearts and minds for this transforming message from Living Faith Church.
0: Usually I give a preach. A preach, well no, there's a difference between preaching versus teaching. A preaching is like, here's your three steps to this, or here's your three keys to this, or your three-word acronym, right? I would always put those together, which is pretty fun, right? It's like, oh, what's gonna come up with today? You know, it's like okay, let me give you this acronym. I think uh, one time my favorite sermon I ever preached was called Doggy Style, you know? And it was Woof, W O F F Woof, which was the word of God, oral prayers, fellowship, and fun. So that was my favorite sermon I ever preached. Anyways, so preaching is like is giving me the three steps, the three keys, and we're gonna talk about why. Why sit our church for sinners by centers? That's our tagline. Why do we call the church for sinners, by sinners? And we say this all the time, that's the reason why we need this to be our full-time job, It's because we need to be close to God as much as possible. But we're the biggest sinners out there. And I always joke around about this, but it's true. If you hear any rumors about me and her, believe it, because it's probably true. And God is good. So we're gonna talk about this aspect of like, how does this work out? How does this actually mingle together with you saying that you believe God, you believe the word of God, But yet, the Bible says you shouldn't be a sinner. You shouldn't be doing sin. You shouldn't be X, Y, and Z. Like, how does this all work out? So tonight, we're going to talk about it. And the reason why we're talking about it rather than actually, I was supposed to do like a little video in my my office. But I was like, I play off people's energy. So I like to talk to people rather than just talking to a camera. So I was like, you know, let me just do it on a Sunday. You kill two birds with one stone, you know. Um, So here's the story. Right for those of you guys who don't know, my wife and I are the biggest sinners. How many of you guys here show of hands know what kind of sin we're involved in? Hello, okay, okay. Who doesn't know? Okay, good. We're all caught up to date. So we all know that we're all sinners, but the fact is that my my sin and her sin is a lot more public than most people. And so here's the thing, right? It's the aspect of saying Stephen, how did it all start? People saying why. First off, why. Second off, how. Third off, like, why continue? Why doing sin? Now you're a pastor. Why do you sin and pastor? How do you justify what you're doing? Right? Those are questions that are legitimate questions. And, you know, and so so I always have to explain myself. Sometimes I get lazy explaining. I'm like, okay, grace. And I was like, goodbye, you know? But tonight I'm going to explain a little bit more about the why, the how, and also the aspect of, like, where do we stand? What is your philosophy? We'll start off with this verse, Romans three twenty one to twenty six. Romans 3, 21, 26. It says, "But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. For there is no difference." For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just. And the one justifier is the one who has faith in Jesus. So this verse right here says, y'all, we're all sinners. Everyone is sinners. In the verse previously, they're saying Jews and Gentiles, I don't care who you are, we're all sinners. All of us are sinners. And so here's the funny part though, right? Is that, okay, my wife and I, We're the pastors of this church, and thank you for trusting us as pastors. But the thing is, though, is that other pastors who are of the churches, they come up, and a lot of times they don't show that they're sinners. And at times they'll say, oh, I'm holy, and I am forgiven. They'll talk about their forgiveness, but if you actually ask someone, Pastor, what are sins that you struggle with? A lot of times they're not going to answer that because they don't want to show their human side. They don't. And here's the funny part. Nowhere in scripture says, don't show off your sins. Show me in scripture where it says, thou shall hide thy sin and pretend you are only holy. No. he's looked look, we're all screwed up, y'all. We're all messed up. So, quit acting like you're somebody when you're not. Okay, I love you all. Okay, I'm talking to the people out there. Okay? I'm just joking, not really. But but you know what I mean? But that's pretty much what Paul's saying. Is Paul's telling us we are all messed up. Now, here's the funny part. But, Stephen, can't you stop sinning? Can't you stop doing what you guys are doing? Okay, here's the funny thing. If we stop doing, let's say, A, and say, okay, we're no longer doing A, guess what? We're still going to be doing B, C, D, E, F, G, and all the other alphabets. What happens is, oh, I'm no longer doing A, you guys. I'm no longer doing A, but they'll never talk about B, C, D, because they don't want anything to be brought to light. Now, here's the thing. What you see is what you get. I'm being up front and saying, hey, guys, this is who we are. Take it or leave it. And people say, oh, well, I'm leaving it. Bye-bye. I love you. And sometimes they'll come back and say, hey, we actually want to hang out. Let's chill. Dinner's on me. Let's go. I love food. And so the thing is, though, is that we said, you know, we don't want to create a church full of hypocrites. We don't want to be hypocrites. So we might as well go ahead and say, this is who we are. Now, let's talk about this really quick. Again, there's no points, okay? We're just just talking tonight. Let's say, for example, in the traditional church, okay, a traditional church, they would say, "Oh, you can't drink. No drink. I'm gonna borrow this empty cup right here. Okay, you cannot drink." So what happens is they say, "You can't drink, Stephen, because you're you're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. You're supposed to be the righteousness of God. You're supposed to be redeemed and and set free from all of your addictions. And you shouldn't be drinking, Stephen. So so drinking is bad. You got to stop drinking." So they tell Bob, stop drinking. And so Bob says, Oh, because I'm a Christian, I have to put that down. Okay, I'll stop drinking. Now when their church friends and the pastor leaves, they look at that and they go, Hmm, no, I'm redeemed. I gotta stop doing that. And then that's great, it works out for them. Let's say they say, let's say they gave up the drink. I've been sober, my friends, but not a single sip, thank God, for the last twenty years. Great. Or let's say it's simple. Five years, six years, whatever. And now what happens? Life happens. And now they go, mm, let me get a little sip. They get tempted. Oh, I have a temp-. And then what happens? They blame the devil. They blame the devil. As if the devil has power. Hello. Now the devil will tempt and lie and whatever else. But in reality, they're saying like, oh, I gotta stop that. I gotta stop that. What ends up happening is they stop doing whatever it may be primarily because of performance base, I want to prove myself pleasing to each of my brethren and sisters. And then they go, okay, I'm gonna stop the drinking. And then what happens, here's a funny part, right? I was talking to someone else who told me how it should be. Well, then you have someone in their group to give them accountability. Oh, okay. Then we got Jack, and Jack says, hey, Bob, how have you been with no drinking? Oh, yeah, it's been a struggle. I've been tempted. I want a drink. Okay, well, good. Keep at it. God is good. I'll be praying for you. And then Jack's go ahead and does his own thing. He leaves every week. How have you been doing, Bob, with your drinking? Oh, i am And then Bob goes through some kind of stressor at work with the kids, with the wife, struggling financially. And then he has a drink. Jack comes over. How have you been... Oh, you've been drinking... We gotta take you to the elders of the church and pray for you. And then they go, Hey, sister, do you hear that Bob? We gotta pray for Bob. Because Bob slipped and drank. And then sister over here, Sister Jill, goes over to you know to someone else and says, Hey, do you hear? We gotta pray for Bob. And what ends up happening is this prayer request that we're praying for Bob ends up becoming church gossip. And now everybody's involved in Bob's circumstance. Mm, there comes Bob coming they're coming in the driveway. Oh, Bob, we got to pray for him. I bet when you open that door, he has Bob just swimming out of that car. And then what happens is Bob comes to the church. He goes like, yeah, pastor, I need, I need to pre pray for it. I've been drinking. He admitted it. He's been drinking. And then later on, pastor starts saying, oh, well, we got to keep him in prayer. And what ends up happening is, Bob then slips up again. Why? Because he's human. He's not perfect. He goes ahead and gets another drink. You know what he says next? He goes, you know what? I just can't uphold the standard of giving up X, Y, and Z. Yes, he's praying. Yes, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength. But it's psychology. There's a, let me just pause right here real quick. Say pause. Psychology is we do what we do because of our subconscious right Paul we do things what we do because of our subconscious our subconscious creates our patterns our habits and every our whole being we don't think about driving we don't think about breathing we just do and because we just do it just becomes who we are so our but our subconscious our psychology is made up of our past so what if bob got down this path because that's what brought him his drug of happiness in the middle of a divorce, or in the middle of a X, Y, and Z. So what ends up happening is, they end up crushing this thing they call sin, or, or, or you no know, drinking, the, the Bob, and what really it is is that there's a psychology behind it. They just tell you, stop sinning. Stop doing this, stop doing that. So when situations was happening in our lives, for me, it was like, just stop it. Why you just stop it? You know, she got involved in something when we first had our first church. And we were going through a lot of financial hardship. Our parents were paying for our rent, literally paying for our rent. One month is their month this time. That's not their month this time. And we're just barely surviving. And so, long story short, we almost got a divorce because we're like, wait, what? No, we went to Bible college. We're pastors. We're starting a church. We came to San Diego to start this. And you're doing that. She's like, Well, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And so later on, we go to a Christian therapist. And the Christian therapist talks to us, our pastor, who oversees us, says, yeah, shut the church down. Refers to a Christian therapist, sat down with both of us, sat down with her individually, sat down with me individually. And eventually, after maybe about, I think it was like three or four months of therapy, she said, did you know that this happened to Angela? And the therapist says she's only reacting to her past. So question is, do you really want to divorce her because of her past? And I was like, no. Then see, not what she does, but who she is. So the therapist had me write down, who is she to me? Outside of what she does, but who is she? So I worry, okay, yeah, you're right, I'm not gonna divorce her. And then later on, I started understanding, wow, all of our actions are reactions from our past. So when someone who wants to steal from me I say, "Mm, okay, I I definitely want to get them. (laughs) But, you know what? They're only reacting to their past. And you guys heard this before, it's a cliche, but hurt people hurt people. And it's the truth. So what sin that we do, whatever that may be, is only a reaction to our past. And that's the reason, and here's the thing. Our past, our families, our upbringing are all messed up, let's just be real. And that's the reason why the, the Paul says to us, Hey, we're all sinners. We're all flawed. I mean, let's go way back, way back, spiritually speaking, Adam, the first fall. So my friends, here's the thing. Is that when Bob says, okay, stop drinking, what ends up happening is he may go ahead and say, you know what? Okay, let me not drink in front of my brothers and my sisters. Let me not drink in front of my pastor. So I'll go ahead and indulge and enjoy in private. And you know what they create that kind of church? They create hypocrites. And then Jack's over here like, Hey, brother Bob, how have you been? Oh, I've been fine and dandy. And then Brother Jack is over here. And later on, they find out, wow, he has anger issues. He's over here beating his wife. And later on, this is is all hypothetical, okay? But time out. Then Bob's like, wait, wait. You're over here checking up on me, but ha- We gotta check up on you, man. But here's the thing: it becomes a broken person overlooking a broken person, and ends up happening is we all end up up hating each other because, like, whoa, you're broken, man. You don't don't, don't come at me acting as though you're something. Does that make sense, you guys? You guys following here? So what I'm trying to get is this aspect is we all messed up. We all have a past. I don't care how. Fine and dandy, someone may display themselves, but we all have a past. You know, I, it's funny because someone has a book, and unless you read that person's book or got deep in their conversation with them, you would think this person's like, oh, this person's perfect, this person has no past. This person, but you start reading their book, you start talking to them, it's like, whoa, you are messed up, okay? And so I bet you if I actually sat down with each and every one of you guys, you would say something that happened. And something in your past haunts you or haunted you in the past. And so, what I'm trying to get at here is we're all messed up. But here's the thing, whoa, 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 okay. How about this whole salvation thing? We're talking about God save us, God's salvation. What does that all mean in spite that we're gonna, okay, so we're all screwed up, but what does that mean when it comes to that salvation? Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace, say grace, Grace, the definition of grace is unmerited favor you don't deserve it you don't deserve it it is by grace you have been saved through what? Grace. faith it is not from yourselves it is the gift from God it is through faith the very first person to get saved is Abram Abram was first counted his righteousness because why? the Bible says he believed God and in his believing of God, he is accounted for in righteousness. So all you gotta do is believe God. Believe God. If you have faith, you are getting get saved. Say yes, okay, I believe in God. And so, people say, that's it? Don't you have to behave a certain way or do this, do that, do that, and this? And here's the thing, I'm not trying to say right now, all right guys, let's all go and rob a bank, okay? It's okay, God still loves us. No, because we receive the love of God, we say, no, no, I'm going to do what's right for me. And that doesn't seem right with me. Does that make sense? So, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it is for grace that you've been saved through faith, and not of yourself, it is by gift of God. Now, I want to bring up here a verse that people have always talked to me about. And the verse goes to John 8, 10, and 11. Whereas this woman, who is caught in adultery, very fitting, right? Caught in adultery. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Have you guys read this before or heard of it? Some other virgin says, go and sin no more. You guys heard of that before? So that's contradictory. Okay? I love it when people say, I can't trust the Bible. It contradicts itself. This is one of them. Where it's like, wait, wait, wait. Jesus says, go and sin no more. But yet, the verse that Paul says is, we're all sinners. Time out, Stephen. The Bible is contradictory. It's flawed. Let me explain something. The Bible was not written in English. Okay? The Bible was not written in English. So when people translated the Bible, we lost a lot of meaning behind it. So the word love, this is the Greek word. It's not all of them either. So if you say, the Bible says, you know, love thy neighbor. Love your spouse, right? There's love your enemies. But this is the different kinds of love in the Greek. Eros is erotic love. Phileas are friendly love. Storgas are family, empathetic love. Uh, (laughs) that's the fourth one. Self-love. And of course, agape is God's love, which is unconditional love. But the Bible, in our English Bible, all it says is love. It doesn't explain what kind of love. Now, let's go back to the verse. (laughs) John 8, 10, 11. Verse 11. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Did you know? (laughs) Did you know the word sin I just showed you five of the meanings. There's actually six, but there's six meanings of love. The word, different words. But did you know the word sin? S I N. Just in case you can't spell sin. There's 22 different meanings. 22 in the Hebrew and the Greek. The particular verse here right now it says here, go and leave your life of sin. How the heck does it say that we're all sinners? Now, when Paul tells us here in Romans, we're all sinners. It talks about that we are all the verb. We all do sin. Make sense. There's a difference between a verb. Say verb, verb, verb. verb Sin. Who knows what verb stands for in English? It's action, right? What's a noun? Person, place, or thing, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Making sure. So, person. I went to Bible college. Okay. Person, place, or thing. Noun. And then the verb is the action. I am Stephen Dela Cruz Filipino. That is noun. I am holding my phone. Verb. We're in English class right now, guys. So here's the thing: the difference between the noun and the verb. When Paul tells us in Romans that we're all sinners, he's saying we're all the verb. We all do sin. Catch this right now. We all do sin, the verb, the action of sin. You are all sinners. We are all sinners. When Jesus goes to the woman and says to her in John 8, go and leave your life of sin, he's talking to the woman in a noun, sin. The person, place, or thing of sin. Are you guys catching This It's kind of confusing. Speak to me, yeah? So here's the difference. Go and leave your life of sin. He's saying, go and change your residence. Where you consider yourself a resident of. Paul tells us we are no longer bound by sin, the noun. Because how could Paul tell us we're no longer bound by sin, but yet he says we're all never going to stop sinning. Even Paul himself says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. So he's like, dude, I'm like battling over here. So, understand this. What we're trying to do here at Living Faith Church is this. Is get people away from the noun sin. The location of sin. My friends, how do you get away from sin? How do you go from sin to righteousness? Straight up, just believe. Just believe. I'm not trying to to tell you how to live your life because I can barely live my own. Okay, I'm not trying to tell you or anyone out there how to do this or the other, but to say, look, it's time for us to leave the noun, the location, but here's the thing. Even though I may not live in the Philippines, I am a resident of America, I'm still a Filipino. No matter how many, my dad's a military, no matter how many American flags he has on the wall, because he's served in the Navy, thank you for those who serve in our military, he is still a Filipino. No matter how many you know friends who are Americans, he's still a Filipino. No matter how good of an English speaker he is, he's still a Filipino. My friends, although you may change your noun, your location, and not live in sin, living in sin—you guys heard it before—living in sin, the location of sin, you are still a sinner because that can never change. So when Jesus tells his woman. Women, leave your life of sin. He's saying, go and leave the country of called sin, okay, just say country called sin, and come live in the U.S. of day. It's like, does that make sense? And that's what Jesus is telling this woman. He's not saying stop doing the verb, because he knows you can't stop doing the verb. The action of sin, because we're all screwed up, we're all going to sin no matter what. You know a child, a child, you don't have to teach a child a lie. You don't. And it's fun to watch. Mom says, don't eat the cookies. They eat the cookies. Chocolate everywhere, crumbs everywhere. Did you eat the cookies? No. Who taught you how to lie? I was like, huh? I just wanted cookies. It's like, that's all they wanted. You don't have to teach child how to lie. They just do because it's in their nature. Are you guys catching this? So my friends, I want to speak freedom to all those watching. Freedom to all those who are here tonight. That you out there who say, oh, but I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by grace. Oh, I, could, I, I keep on sinning. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you right now, you cannot stop. You can't. So instead, just believe and say, God, thank you. That in spite of my flaws, you still love me. In spite of my wretchedness, you still love. In spite of my worthlessness, you still fought for me, died for me. And my friends, here's the thing. Jesus knows that we're going to fail every time. So that's why he died on the cross. And he said the words, it is finished. My friends, this is a church that believes in the grace. So here's the thing. What we do, what my wife may be doing, is the verb. But if you want to ask what her belief is, oh my gosh. Seriously, she is crying out, yelling in tongues, praying to the Holy Spirit, praying to God, speaking to God, praying over the church, praying over you. And there's not a single doubt in my mind that she is saved by grace. Again, we may go ahead and say, we're no longer doing A, guys. Hey, we're no longer doing A. But we're not going to tell you about B, C, D, E, F, G. And as the happening is, we end up creating a church of Hypocrisy. I would run. I'm not trying to say tonight at dinner, hey, I'm so and so. This is my sin. What's yours? Okay, I'm not trying to say that. Okay, so calm down, calm down, calm down. But I am just trying to say is this: is I want. I would like us to let let us create a church, a culture, where we say, you know what, that person looks like. They're not fully together, or I heard rumors about so and so or so. You know what? We love them because I am nobody, I am not any perfect. My friends, let me tell you this right now. The motivation behind this church started off literally, we were out of the church, because we got kicked out of the church for 13 years, 11 years, 10 years, I don't know how many years, nine years, eight years. Eight years we've been out of the church. For a little bit we are like, screw the church, we don't wanna be part of organized religion. And then later on, a lot of her friends in the industry that she's in, commit suicide every single year. There's an award ceremony. And during the award ceremony, they have a moment of silence for those who passed away. And they have that moment. And they have a separate moment of silence for those who've committed suicide. Not just passed away. You'd think they would just bunch them all together, but the reason why they have a separate time is because it's so many of them. Every single year. People in that industry are ostracized, kicked out, not just by the church, but by their family by their relatives, by their friends. So you can imagine how lonely it is. And people in that industry who are even just friends within the industry, they're all catty because they're all trying to compete. So there really is no network. There is no community. So she says, you know what? We need to go and preach the gospel of hope and love to those who are hurting, to the people that she talks to every single day who are depressed, who are on drugging up themselves to get happy. And so at first we started this whole thing online. Just an online thing. Just online. And then later on a friend of ours, you guys might know him, Johnny, says, hey, we should just live in person. I'll be your worship leader. And so we like, well, I don't know. He goes like, yeah, just for people who are sinners, forget everyone else. Okay, let's try it out. And so we started figuring out, okay, so we started doing church in our house. So from online, just for our people, to then church here in live at our house, we have over 200 people who watch us on a regular basis. Last live, if you guys ever go to her Instagram, okay, i not sure to promote it, but if you look at her Instagram, it's all PG. But if you look at her live, you'll see 8,000 people watch every single Sunday when we sit down and do this prayer time before service. 8,000 people that she asked on the live, who wants to accept Jesus? And it's like trickles around one, two, three, four, five, but every single week, there's people receiving Jesus. Not a single day, not a single week passes by that people are not saying, I want Jesus. And again, we're not trying to tell them to, how to live their life. We're just saying how to believe and believe in Jesus. Now, wait, Stephen, time out. I, I don't buy this whole Jesus thing. I think that if you just be a good person. Can I just say this right now? If you are right, okay, let me talk to this person. If this person says, I had a friend who was, a, I think he was Sikh or some of that, Muslim Sikh, um, in my college. And he came as a Fulbright Scholarship, uh, but he's a, he was a different religion. And he said, I believe everyone goes to heaven eventually. I believe as long as you're a good person, you go to heaven. I said, great. So if you're right, then I'm going to heaven, and you're going to heaven. Now, if you're wrong, I'm going to heaven, and you're not. Because I just don't buy this whole X, Y, and Z. And I just say, even back then, before we even started this church, we believed in grace. And it was like, look, just, all you gotta do is believe. That's all it is. It's an insurance policy. If we if we end up dying and some Buddha is up there, he's like, hey, did you find Zen within yourself? You didn't? Oh, well, we'll come on up to heaven anyways. And maybe it's Zeus, the Greek god, and saying, hey, you know what? Did you work out? I worked out once. Okay, come on up here to heaven. (laughs) If if somehow what I preach and what we believe here is false, then what the world's religion says is I'm going to heaven anyways. So then we just wasted our time, we just played kumbaya, had amazing food from Hilda, we partied it up. But what if I'm right? What if there really is a maker called the G-O-D? What if Think about that. Or well, what if I'm wrong? What if all, all we're doing this thing every single Sunday, we you know we wasted Sundays, and I eventually become a tree and get reincarnated, blowing. I'm a big tree. Then okay, I become a tree. But what if I'm right? And that's the whole purpose of this church. Is to say, folks. I'm not trying to say come to church so we can change your life and tell you that you got to do this and that, stop drinking and stop doing this, stop doing that. I'm like, bro, let me buy you the alcohol. People were (laughs) getting wasted on my couch. I'm like, let me get you more. (laughs) And I was like, please, let me give you more. Get us out of my house. Let me tell you right now, my friends, we are committed to the great commandment. The greatest commandment is this, Matthew 22, 36, 39. Teacher, which of the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself i don't know where everyone else gets it twisted thinking that jesus commands us to go and have everyone dress like you eat like you dance like whatever like no all these other churches fill in all different commandments this church is simple love god love each other love god love each other but he says Here's the biggest part, 39. Love your neighbor, there's no period. He says, as yourself. So there's actually three commandments here. Love God, love others, love self. The greatest commandment that God gave us is to love God and love others. I'm going to show it again. To love God and love others. My friends, to love God and to love others is a symbol of the cross. There is no other commandment out there. My friends, that is the greatest commandment. It's to love God, love people as yourself. Last verse here tonight. Mark 16, 15, and 8 to 18. This is after Jesus has already died on the cross. He commissions his disciples. He gives one last command to the people before he departs. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the word gospel? Gospel means good news. Not bad news. Not command everyone to live their life a certain way, but preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. That's the command Jesus gave his disciples before he left. He says, that's my command, to preach the gospel, the good news. And that's what this church is all about. So yes, we are sinners. My wife and I are sinners. Yes, I am a big fat sinner. Gluttony, you know, whatever it is. That's more, I have more sins than that. But I am a sinner but jesus does not call the qualified he qualifies the called he doesn't say are you qualified no you know what's funny is that the disciples are jesus's closest homies but you know what's funny until like 13 chapters in the book 13 chapters so that's probably at least i don't know two years being with jesus doing ministry with Jesus, healing people, feeding people, being with Jesus, being on Jesus' ministry team, being Jesus' right-hand homies. Two years later, he goes, hey, by the way, who do you say I am? Think about that. He didn't say in the very beginning, before you come to me, y'all gotta believe who I am. He asked them, Who do you say I am? years later, when they're already working with him. Stephen, I want to be part of this church, but I don't even know what I believe. That's cool with Jesus, because he did it with the disciples. His disciples were hanging out, feeding people, being with Jesus, and Jesus never asked them, "How? Who do you, do you think I am? Who do I say I am? Until years later, let that sink in. See, in other churches, you have to believe first before you belong to the church. We say no, you belong first, and then your beliefs will come in. And let that be between you and God. I will never ask you, so where are you at with your faith? So do you believe or do you not believe? If you have the Holy Spirit, you'll be convicted when you sin and not want to. Let us look at the scripture. John sixteen eight says this, When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in wrong and the sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove, now I didn't look in the deep Greek and all that with the word sin there is. Did you put it there? And he will come, and when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. When you look at the context of scripture, you have to figure out who is this scripture talking to? The believer or the unbeliever? There's two categories. The believer or The unbeliever. When he has come, he will convict the brethren, no. He'll convict the church, no. He'll convict the world, the unbeliever. Okay? Do your own research. That's a scripture that has been popped up to me and I took a lot of research on that. The Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever, you're wrong. You're gonna be judged. And that's why the Holy Spirit's job is to get you to change your residency from living in sin, the, the, the location of sin, and changing it to freedom in Christ. But I love studying this because it's deep stuff. And the church really confuses them because that's a very common thing. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you should know right from wrong. It's like, you're right, but I know I'm always wrong. So what the Holy Spirit will say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong actually when he has come he's convicted the world of sin and of righteousness and here's verse nine of sin because they do not believe in me the holy spirit is to come make believers my friends we're enclosed with this god doesn't look at you and says oh jack my friend you keep on drinking You're going to hell. (laughs) That's not what God's doing. Actually, the Bible says when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and fell and did the first sin, what was God doing? Remember that? God was looking for them. God was looking for them. Then the Lord, this is when Adam did the first sin. Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, where are you? Next verse so he said adam said i heard your voice in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself i heard your voice in the garden when, when adam and eve fell and committed the very first sin god was looking for adam He's like where are you and adam's like i'm hiding and god's like dude who told you you're bad who told you're naked My friends, God is searching for you. No matter how screwed up you think you are, I'm even more screwed up. (laughs) But God is looking for you. He longs for you. Everyone's eyes closed, head bowed. I hope tonight was a little helpful. That yes, we are sinners, but we are no longer bound by sin you have changed our residency to the kingdom of God. And tonight, I'm not asking you to stop sinning because you can't stop sinning. But I'm saying tonight, are you willing to say, you know what, Stephen? I want to change my address. If that's you tonight, you're saying, I want to change the noun sin and start believing. I may not know and believe it all but just the disciples, at least I can start hanging out with him and in a few years figure it out. If that's you tonight, can I ask you to show me your hand to say, Stephen, yes, pray for me. Amen. 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 Father God, tonight I pray for those who are searching Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reveal yourself to them. That they would understand it's not about them being perfect because they'll never get there. But it's about them being connected
1: to the Father.
0: So Lord, tonight I pray that we would begin to understand that we are a church that is for sinners by sinners. We're not a church of hypocrisy or judgment so God, we thank you that we are in the residence and the address of God. And for those of us who are still searching, who are still wondering, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us tonight, fresh and in you. We thank you in advance for what you're doing in our lives. Bless us now. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
1: listening to this life-giving message from Living Faith Church. For more information about our church, text the word podcast to one 305 Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next time on the Living Faith Church podcast.